Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Shamrock, I'm Pete Sampson, and joined by Matt Fortuna. We we're both watching this one remotely today uh, while trying to manage trick-or-treating and Halloween parties. But Notre Dame 31, Georgia Tech 13 really wasn't that close, Matt. Um, I don't know if there was any massive thing that happened today uh, from Notre Dame's side of the ball that would, would change my opinion about next week. Um, so maybe we should spend some time talking about the massive thing that happened on the other side uh, with Clemson, because that that is going to impact what happens next week. Yeah, uh, first drive of the game, Ian Book, 7 of 7, 8 runs for 42 yards. I really appreciate Notre Dame trying to reward all of our patience and get through this one as quickly as possible so we can uh, get ahead to uh, the biggest game of the year, the biggest game of the last 15 years, you may have heard us say one or ten times on this podcast uh, with Clemson coming to town. I mean... We're going to do another podcast this week. We'll probably go on a bunch of other shows ourselves and write and tweet about this ad nauseum, but I don't think you could overhype this game uh, or repeat yourself enough. My immediate takeaway over the last 48 hours, which of course has Trevor Lawrence testing positive for COVID-19, uncertain on whether he would play or not not in Notre Dame game until today when Dabo Sweeney said post-game that he would not. Clemson surviving Boston College by the skin of their teeth with a 34 28 win. My imme- and Phil Dracovic. Phil Dracovic. My immediate takeaway is this is almost the worst case scenario for Notre Dame. The only way I'd say it'd be worse would be if Clemson actually lost to Boston College. Um, because that, I mean, you don't want Clemson coming off a loss. It would devalue the win whether you get it or not. Um, and you'd risk maybe knocking them out of the. ACC championship, and that's a good thing, though, right? Like, all right, not get or it could be, but I mean, then you avoid Trevor Lawrence entirely. But there's also the chance of, I mean, if Notre Dame were to run the table, North Carolina would have two losses. I mean, there there are going to be multiple teams in that mix, probably. Yeah. um, If Clemson or Notre Dame has two losses, Um, and we could already see right the committee talking themselves into, hey, they were undefeated without Trevor Lawrence. Let's put him in there. but it's just, I, of course, like there's just so much drama. I'll say this, and this is not, this is really against the nature, I think, of journalists and those in the media who want information to say this. I'm shocked Abbo Sweeney ruled Trevor Lawrence out this early. He could have played so many games yeah. with Notre Dame uh, and really, I think, stressed out Notre Dame preparing for both guys coming into this game. Because if anyone watched the Clemson game today against Boston College, uh, which was on ABC, the pregame basically to uh, the Notre Dame-Georgia Tech game, if you're a Notre Dame fan, um, that offense, it ain't struggling without Trevor Lawrence. I mean, it ain't clicking the way it is when he's in there. But that game was not close today because they had a backup quarterback in. That game was close today because Travis Etienne fumbled at the goal line and it went the other way. And the defense didn't really show up for half. And when they did show up for the second half, 
we saw what Clemson defense can do when it really is playing at its best, and that was shut Boston College out. Yeah, look, fumbling at the goal line and having a return for a touchdown, like all the cool kids right. are doing it. So, <laughs> I mean, why not? Um, both Maybe both teams get that out of their system today. I Certainly, I, I look at Notre Dame's defense now, the way they've played the last three games. They're allowing 0.55 points per possession over the last three weeks. They have allowed two touchdowns and whatever i think georgia tech maybe finished with like six or seven plays in the red zone after louisville had zero and pitt had zero um Nordic's defense is playing lights out right now um i i realize they're playing really really bad offensive football teams um i wouldn't give georgia tech any more than that i certainly wouldn't give pittsburgh any more than that louisville has some material but that i'm not sure how to chalk that one off because it was just a bizarre very windy day but I, you know, I think when Notre Dame went into the Clemson game two years ago, I did not have any really understanding of how Notre Dame was going to slow down Clemson's offensive skill players. Now I feel like they can um, in a way that that defense couldn't. And in some ways, I feel like that defense was better than this one um, with Tillery, Okwara, Kareem, Tranquil, Coney, um, Elliott, and Gilman at the back, plus Love and Pride at corner. I, I mean, I don't think this defense is as good as that one, but I think Clemson has taken such a monstrous step back without Trevor Lawrence that Notre Dame's defense, maybe they can play a game in the 20s. Um, I thought that was pretty unrealistic when the season started with Lawrence and you know maybe even throw Justin Ross before he got hurt. Um, I don't know, the, the matchup favors Notre Dame in some, some pretty spectacular ways now that I just – I didn't think it was realistic when the season started. I agree with everything you said. I, I, and to your point with the competition, I mean, I was talking to a couple of people around the program this week, and it was, we wish you could have even gotten that Wake Forest game in, you know, just to have like some kind of offense that will give mm-hmm. us even mild preparation for what we're about to see. And th- these were conversations that were being had uh, before Trevor Lawrence uh, r- was ruled out. But um, so the defense has been great. I, I think there's still a sense of this offense has done such a great job protecting them, and they're going to need to do that uh, when they play Clemson next week. I mean, they, they dominated time of possession again today. They, they had the ball for almost 37 minutes. Uh, they did the exact same thing against Louisville. Louisville ran, I think, I mean, you talk about their skill players, and there were guys that Notre Dame had targeted coming in to, to shut down in that Louisville game. Um Louisville ran 45 plays against Notre Dame. Like, that is a recipe for for just sucking the life out of the other team and beating them. Um, and so I think this defense is, is what we have seen it to be so far, which is really, really sound, doesn't make a whole lot of mistakes. Uh, they just – I mean, they've got Jeremiah Uso-Karamoa. They've got Kyle Hamilton. They have big-time players, but they, they really have lacked that kind of game-breaking – play or plays as far as havoc or forcing turnovers, uh, creating sacks or pressures. Um, I do. I would worry about that Notre Dame defensive line more if they weren't playing a Clemson offensive line that's starting a lot of young guys who are still kind of getting a hang of things. But uh, no question, I, I, I mean, Notre Dame, you know, talking about Notre Dame, the football program, the people wearing the uniform Saturday night have to feel – uh, they can go into this game and win. Now, I, I will applaud, and this is a small sample size because we're talking about social media here. I, I will applaud Notre Dame fans for their um, for recognizing their place in the college football pecking order, if you will, when it comes to narrative. 
I mean, I, I, I would have expected, oh, Trevor Lawrence is out. This is great for us. I haven't heard one Notre Dame fan say, like, this is great. Every single one of them is like, great. Now we have no excuse if we lose. Um, and even if we win, it's going to be, well, you got to beat them in the ACC title game now, which may or may not be the case. But I understand where they're coming from. I mean, I understand where Brian Kelly's coming from when he says, you know, it's too bad. We, we want to play them at their best. Yeah, it's look, if they beat Clemson, they're almost certainly in the ACC championship right. game at that point. So, I mean, I think that that's sort of step Don't one. Don't overlook sure Boston College, game. Pete. We get, that's another podcast. That is. Um, <laughs> we can you – know, that's got to be step one, get to Charlotte on December 19th. Um, after that, we'll see. But, you know, if you're Notre Dame, if you can win at Clemson, is it – I think it – Trevor Lawrence takes it down – to such a, this is the degree I think Trevor Lawrence's absence will have on the outcome of if Notre Dame wins next week. It will go, it will be knocked down from one of the great wins in Notre Dame history to just the best win of the Brian Kelly era, which is still pretty good. Um, I mean, that's still the best win in eleven years. So that's um, that's a that would be a, a momentous occasion I think for Notre Dame to lo- knock off Clemson, even if Trevor Lawrence is not even though Trevor Lawrence won't be part of it. Notre Dame would have nothing to apologize for. I understand the chatter that's out there, and I'm not saying it's not without merit. We'll we'll see where the pieces fall around the rest of the country uh, when the playoff selection committee ultimately determines their four teams. But uh, Notre Dame would have nothing to apologize for. I mean, we've made the the not-so-running joke all season long that Clemson's backups could be the second-best team in the ACC, and um, we'll, we'll in some ways see that theory put to the test when they have – a backup quarterback going into the biggest game of the year. Who's <laughs> Dabo Swinney must love this election day rule because he's going to lose a day of practice <laughs> uh, with a backup quarterback going into the biggest game of the year. But that is what yeah. it is. Let, let's practice this right now since it's Saturday and we're going to have se- at least seven days where we need to say this name. And I completely butchered it uh, during a podcast Thursday when the news broke. And uh, I can only hope to, to live up to the standard Joe Tessitor uh, set today uh, on national television. DJ... Uangalele. I think I got that right. I think it's, yeah, Uangalele or Uangalele. I think Uangalele. By the way, I want a live NBC cam on his dad the whole game. Yeah. That was awesome. And his, I don't know. He was fired, and who was the other guy next to his dad who was like super fired up and dropping F bombs? Like, <laughs> that. Uh, did, did you hear the backstory? The guy, the guy used to be a bodyguard no. for Chris Brown and DJ Khaled. I mean, no. Not mm-hmm. bad. Not okay. a guy who's side, no, bad side you want to get good. on. No, no. That's uh, somebody to be socially distanced from if you can. Um, yeah, I mean, he was he was good today. Uh, I think you saw all the raw material there that down the road could be incredibly special. He is, he is not in the ballpark of Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence right now or even Trevor Lawrence freshman year. So this is um, to think that he, he's just sort of next in the Clemson quarterback assembly line from Deshaun Watson to Trevor Lawrence, I think is pretty premature based off today. Um, you know, this will be his first road start. Wasn't it long ago that Notre Dame had a backup quarterback make his first road start at Clemson? That game, you probably remember how that ended. So it's, um, it'll be curious to see how he handles the environment up here. Um, and, you know, playing against Kyle Hamilton, Sean Crawford, I, I, I really think that Notre Dame's secondary has been been quite good this year and uh, you know today was one of those days that you got a a pretty stark reminder that talent wins and Kyle Hamilton is one of those rare talents that Notre Dame has you know Dalen Hayes I thought played really well today um 
you know, it will be the best. Will it be the best defensive line Clemson has played? You know, I don't know if you put Nuriam's defensive line above Miami, but I think overall, in terms of the best defense, you have to put it number one that they would have faced. I would think so. Yeah, I'm not sure who who would even be in the discussion at, at that point right now. Um, Kyle Hamilton. I mean. Uh, second quarter, fourth and two. I mean, and Jameer Gibbs is another five-star talent. That guy's going to be making a lot of plays down the road, yeah. Atlanta, down the line in Atlanta. Loss of six, and it was just like, <laughs> what? And you know, I had the same reaction on the two-point try where, uh, at the end when it was thirty-one thirteen, when uh, Adonik Sanders ran, you know, took the the reverse, the, the Philly special, if you will, without the throw, and, and, and Hamilton like overran it, like he just. He had him beat. He took a step too wide and just put his hands on his head and kind of threw him to the ground. I mean, there, he is at least one of those plays a game that just make you make your jaw drop and remind you, yeah, five stars matter. I mean, this guy can be in a lot of places at one time. It, it just does things that no one else on that roster is capable of doing, um, uh, which you know brings us to our next point, right? They're, they're playing a Clemson team that is loaded with, with five-star caliber talent. I really genuinely did think Notre Dame had a chance to win this game, um, even if Trevor Lawrence was playing. Now, I mean, yeah, no I Trevor Lawrence. You have no Xavier Thomas for the first half, who's out for targeting. Uh, Notre Dame will be without Maris Leofau, Leofau, uh for the first half for targeting as well. But but Xavier Thomas is, is that's a really big deal. And, and James Skalski, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, he led the team in, in, in tackles per game coming in, and he, he's going to be out for a couple of weeks. And you know, speaking of people around the ACC, and Pete and I will, will have a story later this week that, that might need some ring tinkering, uh, but that we've been working on um, you know, the last week or so, looking ahead past Georgia Tech, as everyone else did, to preparing for Clemson. And just talking to coaches who, who have faced and scouted both these teams, what makes them so special. And a lot of guys said, you know, the absence of Skalski do not underestimate that. I mean, Clemson's still really, really good on defense. As we saw today in the second half, they're incredibly well coached on defense. They make you pay for everything. Uh, yep. but, but this isn't the Clemson defense that Notre Dame faced in the semifinal in 2018. That was just no, it's not even that close. was losing Dexter Lawrence and still had his replacement who got drafted that year. I mean, it's not. And uh, on the other side of the ball, and this will probably be even more noteworthy without Trevor Lawrence, they don't have the outside threats that they had uh, in that game with Justin Ross and T. Higgins as well. Amari Rogers was probably their number three that year, and he's their number one now, and he's been phenomenal. I did not know he was capable of doing everything he's doing right now. He's playing like one of, the one of if not the best receivers in the ACC right now. Um, but it, it, it's – I want to be careful how I say this because we're still talking about probably one of the two best rosters in all of college football right now, but – I don't think the Clemson that Notre Dame will see on November 7th is anything like the Clemson that uh, they faced on 2018. And I think, you know, as the fans will tell you, right, like it's now or never. Like I'm not saying Notre Dame has to win and it's a bust if they don't. But if they don't win, uh, you know, I do think it opens that can of worms of all right, when will they ever get over that hump? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, to put it in political terms, I think Clemson is – within the margin for error now. Yes. And I'm not sure. I, I didn't feel that way in 2018. I, I don't think I would have felt that way if Lawrence and Ross and their defense was at full strength on Saturday night. Um, but now clearly they are. I mean, they're, this is, they're there to be got for Notre Dame. And I, I totally agree with you. I mean, the pressure on Notre Dame really changes to me because it, it goes from like, what a once in a lifetime opportunity. And that, 
is still true to a certain extent, but kind of a if not now when vibe. Uh, and I get it. You can say if not now, then when could be December 19th. But yeah, I, I think if you're not taking out Clemson in its sort of slightly hobbled state, then I'm not sure how you're taking out Clemson um, when the Death Star is fully operational in Charlotte. So it's, I don't know, it's, it's, it's a weird pressure on Notre Dame. Like Notre Dame is the underdog yet under pressure. Um, and rarely do you get those two things at the same time. Yeah, I agree. I mean, do we want to play guess the spread this early? I mean, w- there will be a spread now since Trevor Lawrence isn't playing and it's not just going to you know, be right. a mystery. I mean, Because w- w- what, it was at 17 before? Is that right? It went anywhere between 10, 17, and, fi- 15? 10 and 15 throughout the course of the year okay. based on how they were playing right. during the week. I don't I mean, double digits feels like a lot no, to it's me. Not, like it too much. It's got to be, what, six, seven? You know, you, I was going to say Clemson three or four. Oh, wow. Down the, okay. I mean, true freshman quarterback starting on the road for the well, second time as a start, first time on the road against the number four yep. team in the country. Um, down Xavier Thomas, down some other guys. I, I mean, it's going to be single digits. I'd be shocked if it's not. Um, if it, it, I got I mean, I guess it's like you look at it from, all right, you removed the best quarterback in college football since Andrew Luck. That was 10 years yes. ago. That's got to be worth more than a touchdown, right? That's exactly how I put it. Yes. Um, so, and everything we just said, I still wouldn't change the expected game plan for Notre Dame, which is run the damn ball, play keep away, protect that defense. I, I, I still don't want to get in a shootout with these guys. I don't. You know, no matter who's throwing the ball back there. No, I mean I don't think Notre Dame is not built offensively to win one, um, and I think that now the the pressure of the shootout or the pressure of playing ball control, it sort of goes from keeping the ball away from Lawrence, duh, do that, to putting your his backup under really some funky game dynamics where you're not sure how many opportunities you're going to get. You're not sure how many plays you can try out. Um, can we can we run this now and get to something else later? Well, there, there might not be a later if uh, Notre Dame sort of sucks the air out of the ball as they have really the last few weeks. Um, if I, I could see Clemson sort of you know, being even less than the sum of its parts, even though we know the sum of its parts is less than it was a week ago, if that makes any sense. Like, I, I could see some tightness from Clemson, which is a bizarre thing to say because they have played in much bigger games than this. Uh, but the dynamics of coming up here, first time, freezing cold, backup quarterback, um, not many opportunities to play, the most physical offensive line you've faced all year. I don't know. There's there's some weird dynamics there that I, I would think Notre Dame could push and pull some levers that that really make Clemson sort of seize up in some moments, or at least make Clemson blink. I think that's probably the best way to put it. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I don't know if I I see eye to eye with you on that. I say that because I almost think Clemson is in a position now where for the purposes of the playoff, uh, they could get a mulligan this week. Um, 
if they were to somehow find a way to get Trevor Lawrence on the field and rush him back and they lose, I mean, that would not look as good as, hey, we were mm-hmm. without the number one pick in the draft. I mean, we saw in 2017, right, the, the last time I think they lost a regular season game, Kelly Bryant, who was no one's, no one was going to mistake for Trevor Lawrence, but was a starting quarterback of the number one team in the country, uh, got hurt at Syracuse. They lost to Syracuse, who I think won four games that year, and it was largely forgiven. They stayed at number one in the final college football playoff rankings at the end of the regular season. Uh, so yep. I do think you know, if Notre Dame can't beat Clemson without Trevor Lawrence, then if they get another shot at them with Trevor Lawrence, logic would dictate that they're not going to win that one. Now, again, who knows what both rosters will look like, what happens between now and then. I don't want to make that big of a leap, but logically speaking, that's usually the case. Uh, if Notre Dame wins without Trevor Lawrence, I mean, well, it could set up a really juicy rematch for one in the ACC title game. I mean, yeah, if if one it. team beat the crap out of the other this Saturday at full strength and they both ended up meeting again, I don't think um, there would be as much intrigue. It'd be kind of a here we go again. We know what's going to happen scenario. Now uh, we're talking about two completely different games, um, assuming they both happen. And, you know, it, it's it's going to present a fascinating situation, right? I mean, if Notre Dame wins this week but loses in the ACC title game and it's a competitive game, um, I mean, I think Clemson's in no matter what, right? Like the, their one loss they avenge, and it was without their starting yeah. quarterback. But uh, is Notre Dame punished for losing? I mean, it would be ironic, right? We keep saying they need a conference title game to get that third last data point, and then they lose it and they're out. But would it knock them out? I don't know. I mean – that's right. I think that's you're at the mercy of what's going on everywhere else at that point. You are. You know, you you wouldn't say it would knock you out today because um, we just don't know what's going to happen. But it, I mean, it clearly could knock you out if the SEC breaks a certain way, uh, if the Big Twelve breaks a certain way. Yeah, Big, Big, Big Twelve. You don't got to Oklahoma State just lost as we're recording this. You don't okay, got to worry about Big Twelve. I was just about to uh, no, look at my phone overtime, and check, the, check the app to see what happened. Uh, I don't so, think you yeah, need to I mean, worry about the Big Ten. The Big Ten. I mean, the Big Ten is a mess. Yeah. But it's like, you know, you get the SEC one. If Georgia Ohio beats State. Alabama in a rematch, I mean. Yeah, I mean, that that's where I think the, the winner of that rematch, if it was different, would get in over the winner of Notre Dame-Clemson if if Notre Dame somehow lost next weekend but won in Charlotte. I feel like Georgia would probably still get in for beating Alabama. Um, and, you know, we'll see. we'll see. I don't know. I mean, Alabama, I think it's a sort of a, a cut above right now. How about eleven and one Notre Dame versus seven and zero USC? Uh, yeah, are you talking about a Fiesta Bowl matchup or <laughs> no, who gets, for, for who the gets into the playoff? <laughs> I mean, I, I think I would have to go Notre Dame there. Um, I just I don't know I don't know what US I don't have USC's Pac twelve schedule committed to memory yet. Um, but is Does there anybody matter? on yeah. there? Is there anybody on there other than? Do they get Oregon? I don't know. I, I hope for their sake they get know. Oregon because that's the one. And it's and I think it's also like in that in that scenario, if it was eleven and one Notre Dame, they Notre Dame beats Clemson here, loses in Charlotte, could be a little dicey. If Notre Dame loses here but beats Clemson in Charlotte with Trevor Lawrence, then I think eleven and one Notre Dame has to go, and anybody undefeated in the Pac-12 is out. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I mean, I think last impressions mean a lot. If Trevor Lawrence comes back and Clemson wins 42-7 to seven or, or something absurd, it would be very hard for the committee to, to the next day get in that room and say Notre Dame's one of the four best teams in the country, better than a team that's coming off a win that day or, or, or had an impressive performance or had no losses. I mean, 
the ultimate, I think, overreaction probably in the history of college football, at least in the history of the college football playoff, was 2014, the first year of the playoff. Ohio State, I think, was like seven or – I don't know what they're they, – they were not really in the – I think there were six maybe. They weren't in the picture at all uh, with mm-hmm. Cardale Jones making his first career start against a top-tech Wisconsin yeah. team. They win 59 nothing. They get in over TCU and Baylor, who were both in, uh, I believe, the top four that weekend. The Big 12 immediately puts a Big 12 title game in. As if that's going to change things. What, yeah, I was going to say. What, I was like, what changed things the there was they were, isn't Ohio State making was it. The Big Twelve refused <laughs> to declare an actual champion. Um, yeah, that's what hurt them. And the other part is, if Ohio State won that game fourteen to ten, they're not getting in. They got in because they right. won fifty nine to nothing. So to sit here and say Notre Dame would be out with a loss to Clemson, I, I don't know. Uh, if they lose big, probably yes. I, I feel comfortable saying that. USC, by the way, does not play Oregon, so oh, they could get them in the Pac twelve title game, I guess. Which would be a Friday night, nice little uh, scoreboard. No I'll watch that. that Friday night, I'll watch it. What are you yeah. going to do on December eighteenth? <laughs> I'll be in Charlotte, Joy- busy preparing for the ACC we'll championship be together, game. Right? Matt, hanging out with John Hayes. We'll be hanging out there all week after the weight game. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I, I don't know. It's there. What Notre Dame is or is not coming out of Clemson next week? I sort of want to table that and have that discussion. Right post Clemson because I I think that the story that is a much more significant right now is that that game is in play in a way that we didn't think it would be all year so you know but I, I get back to like it's a super weird pressure on Notre Dame to feel like you have to win even though you're the underdog um, but I, I just think that's that's the reality facing Notre Dame but I, I think that they are equipped to handle that so much better than at any other point this season. Um, you know, I think that's also sort of an important part that gets lost a little bit and the Trevor Lawrence is out, is Notre Dame is playing much better football now than it was in September. Um, you know, when they sort of were a little haggard against Duke, USF, whatever, uh, they're off. Florida State game was a little all over the place. And then the last three weeks, defensively, they've locked it down. The last two weeks offensively, I think that they... You know, it's interesting because I think that there's even Brian Kelly mentioned this like, hey, could we just score quicker um, at the beginning of the game? And really, I feel like the way that they played today and and to a certain extent against Pittsburgh and at the very end against Louisville, is that not exactly how you want to play Clemson? That you want to be methodical, that you want to pick up four third down and shorts on your first drive? I think that all bodes really well for for Notre Dame's state of mind. Even though we look at that game and think like they need more chunk plays, like I just those chunk plays aren't coming. Um, nobody nobody's coming off the waiver wire at wide receiver. You know, you're not getting Miles Boykin and Chase Claypool back. So you're you got what you got, and I think to maximize what you got, it's going to be sort of a ground and pound offense. And I think they're doing that as well as they have at any point this season. More than that, um, if you watch Clemson all this year. Um, their cornerbacks are outstanding. Andrew Booth is phenomenal. He makes, yep. I mean, it's one play, but if you want to go back and look at uh, the second half against Virginia a couple weeks ago, he had an Odell Beckham-like catch that was an interception oh, in the end zone. That, yeah. um, and that's just, you know, that's a snapshot of what he's capable of doing. I mean, they are really, really good. Even today, if you were watching the Clemson-BC game, BC uh, got a deep touchdown pass late in the first half. It was Defended fine. It was tipped, and it happened to land in, in BC's hands. I mean, uh, 
you're you're just with, with Notre Dame's talent at receiver and Clemson's talent in the secondary. You are not beating these guys a shootout. You're not beating them with a deep ball. I'm not saying you can, can't get one or two here, but that's not going to be a recipe for success. Um, and I'm with you. I mean, this is a Notre Dame team that uh, absolutely is is. is capable of not getting overwhelmed by the moment i would say and we you know we've we've seen Notre Dame in the past get overwhelmed by the moment um oh yeah uh but, uh, speaking of overwhelmed by the moment is it fair to say after today that Notre Dame could be clemson and my first reaction would be how the hell did they lose to jim harbaugh last year by 31 points <laughs> wow really dusting <laughs> off an old one there the last loss they had longest winning streak in the in the country i i i feel like i'm contractually obligated to mention in every podcast 12 straight wins 30 straight wins over unranked opponents. Um, yeah, I mean, they've got the longest winning streak in college football. I think Clemson is what, won 36 straight regular, regular season games? Right, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you've got a lot of good things coming together next weekend. Um, I don't, yeah, but I don't, I don't want to spend any time in the Michigan game because that sort of leads you down the path of like the total flat tire in a big spot moment, um, which I, I really don't think is going to happen next weekend at all. And I think it's worth now that we're within the 10 day forecast, uh, well within, Oh, this is unbelievable. South Bend Saturday, November 7th, sunny yep. high of 68, yep. low of 52. Of course. of course. I mean, give me, give me a break. As you mentioned, the Michigan game where it was like yeah. spitting rain and 31 degrees. But as uh, I go trick-or-treating this afternoon with my kid when it's 55 degrees and last year on Halloween we had a blizzard. I mean, <laughs> that's not breaking in uh, in Notre Dame's favor, but you can't exactly rely on the weather to be your, uh, your biggest hey, if you give me If you give me good weather or Trevor Lawrence – I'll take the good weather, and you can yeah. you know, sit out Trevor yeah. Lawrence. I mean, I mean that's it's still a win for Notre Dame in the end. I, I think so too. Um, yeah. Do you have any great takeaways from the game that just happened? <laughs> oh yeah, uh, yeah. They beat Georgia Tech. Um, there was a lot you know, of candy Gale- talk in the fourth quarter amongst the announcers. Yeah, a lot of candy talk. I heard that Notre Dame is the uh, Reese's some- Cup. Of, of candy. Some might. Some. Oh god, don't do that. That's um, what. Uh, no, a- that's what Marty Smith said. He said, I just, the Reese's Cup is like the Notre Dame of candy. All it does is win and win and win. I don't want to And he mix, put him at number four. Uh, Reese so. and Reese's Oh, that there. too. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That, that's my groan. But, um, you know, I thought Dalen Hayes was outstanding. It was sort of the, the guy that you had been waiting to see really for four years. Um, so that was significant. I thought they overwhelmed Georgia Tech on both lines. I'm still very skeptical of Notre Dame's passing game with Javon McKinley um, as being a, a lead target. I, I feel like he has sort of been abandoned for two huge gains the last two weeks where he's just been like, well, nobody's covering me. I guess I'll just catch the ball. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought Kyron Williams was really good despite the fumble. It was. It's interesting to see what's happening with Chris Tyree and Sebo Flemister. Um those roles have flipped the last few weeks where Flemister got 15 carries today and Tyree got five. Uh, I think, you know, a very micro look at the game. I like that they got the two back set to actually work. Um, they've sort of been trying to force that the last few weeks and it's get blown up a lot. And Tyree had a 21 yard run out of it. So I don't, I think Notre Dame is what it is. Uh, I think we've spent, or at least I've spent a lot of time thinking about how do you fix your weaknesses in the context of Clemson, where in the end, I think they figured out how to play their strengths better. Um, 
I don't I don't think they're going to try to fix some of these weaknesses. I think they're going to try to clean up what they can clean up and really lean into their strengths, which is both lines, some really good athletic dudes in the back seven, and some tricky tight end play. Uh, with you know Tremble being a little bit more involved was good. Mayer was okay today, but um, that's I don't know. I, I think that you know would you say Notre Dame is a finished product? I mean, they're not a perfectly finished product, but I, I think you they can't they are who they are at this yeah, point, I mean, right? Like they're not changing. Yeah, I mean, I think you, you can't call them a finished product when they haven't faced a team, I think, with a winning record yet. Um, so I can't make that leap just yet. But um, I, I think the identity of this team is, is clear as day. Um, yeah, their identity is a finished product. Yes. Um, you know, we we they have not been tested on a national level by any stretch of the imagination, and they're going to get that a bunch with. Hopefully, Clemson twice, North Carolina, you know, Boston College. Um, they will they will be pushed a little bit over the next month. But um, I think you you know the force that's pushing back if you're Notre Dame now. Like you know who you are. Um, you should have a pretty good sense of self. And I'm not sure I felt that way. Certainly against Duke, not against Louisville, not against Florida State. USF is kind of a throwaway game. But I do think over the last two weeks and the final drive of Louisville, Notre Dame knows who it is now. And that's, um, even if it's not exactly what you hoped it would be, because there's no Kevin Austin, there's no Brayden Lindsey, it's still pretty damn good. And I, I think Notre Dame can lean into that pretty hard next week, and, and that that could be enough. Here's my question. DJ Uangalalele, let's pie myself in the back for thinking yeah. I got that right. Um, he is six Zoom and a social distance backpack. Yeah. Six foot four, two hundred fifty pounds. You know he's the the guy now. Who plays him on scout team? Hmm. It feels like a role for Isaiah Foskey, <laughs> which is crazy to say, but like not that crazy. Yeah. Like, and he didn't I run it. I mean, he had, was... he had the long touchdown today, but he only finished at twenty five yards on the ground. I mean, look, the guy went. Th- he's not fast. No, but he's like, hard to. He's, Defend. Yeah, but he <laughs> once the momentum gets going, he's hard to bring I mean, down. Cam Newton wasn't fast, and he single-handedly took no. Auburn to a national championship. I mean, he's he went 30 of 41 for two, 342 yards at two touchdowns and led his team out of an 18-point hole in his first career start as a true freshman. I, I just don't think like the stage next week is going to get to him. I don't. I mean, if he doesn't play well, it's because Notre Dame made him not play well. I just... It's hard to have any doubts or concerns or, or I guess, hopes if you're an Notre Dame fan about this kid's makeup uh, or wherewithal uh, after seeing I totally him play. And, I mean, that. look, you, you tweeted this. I mean, Jake Fromm, first career start, true freshman at Notre Dame with a Georgia team in a second year under Kirby Smart that was coming off an eight-win eight, eight season. No one knew what that team was capable of, what they were going to do. And, look, he didn't light the world on fire, but, you know, he won – he, basically won the job that day and never gave it up to the point where Justin Fields is now tearing up Penn State as we speak <laughs> for Ohio State. Um, and Georgia was a play away from the winning it all that year. Um, uh, and that was, well, you know, maybe that wasn't such a big environment because it was all Georgia fans. But regardless, there aren't going to be uh, a whole lot of visiting fans screaming down your down on your neck anyway. It's just going to be the students who probably – what, 10% that make up 90% of the noise on a normal day anyway in that stadium, but I still don't think it's going to be the same right. as, um, you know, a typical uh, Notre Dame stadium game. So 
Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, look, it's better than Trevor Lawrence if you're Notre Dame's defense, but there's there's still a lot to be worried about um, uh, going into this game. Yeah, no question. I don't know. I, mean, I don't know. Was there any takeaway you had from today before we get out of here? No. <laughs> um, covered it. I mean, Georgia Tech, a game that is look, I mean, the, quickly put in the dustbin of. Well, I, th- I think it, it, it was very easy watching this game after last week. Think, oh, here we go. It's Pitt again. And <clears throat> I know you had some tweets out there about, you know, you know Kyle Hamilton's good. And already, or Georgia Tech should have scouted this. I just. Uh, not related to our name, really, but I, I just think Georgia Tech and Pittsburgh are two different programs in two different directions and two different time. Know, Jeff Collins comes across as a hipster uh, Pat Narduzzi to me. That's interesting. I mean, some of the some of the TV broadcasts about like you know people aren't talking about this, but they're going to fear us in a few years. Oh yeah, I mean Jeff Sims should be a first round pick. I'm like, what no, are you he, talking I mean, about? Jeff Collins is PJ Fleck uh, with a defense oh, with a yeah. defensive background and a deeper yeah. voice. Um, yeah, meet, a more meathead PJ Fleck would be a better way to. I think one thing they're both really good at is recruiting, and if you can recruit really well in Atlanta, uh, yeah. which they do, uh, they're going to be good eventually. Now, uh, I had someone in the ACC tell me when Paul Johnson retired that that's a five-year rebuild because you're basically teaching 85 guys how to play a different sport and do something all over again, and none of them were really – ACC caliber football players because they ran the triple option. Mm-hmm. So there, there, there's just, I mean, look, Collins might not work there, but I just, you know, it's it's so early and he has such a, a way to go. uphill climb there that, you know, I don't, you know, we're Pat Narduzzi and Pitt. They are who they are at this point. All right. That's probably yes. enough, uh, Pat Collins or uh, Pat, Pat, Pat Collins. There you go. Put me one person. Jeff Collins. Uh, Grace Rayner, our Clemson beat writer, will be joining us uh, later this week on our second show to – uh, preview. Um, something happened Saturday. Game day has not yet been announced. Although ABC did say no, no Saturday night football go. is going to be Stanford, Oregon. Um, yeah. But I I'm am sure that we'll be seeing game day in South Bend. And uh, just, I think I can give away a little tease. You might, you might see a little bit more of South Bend on game day next weekend than you even would expect, even if the show is here. So something to look forward to, Shamrock listeners. So. Uh, now I'm, we'll, I'm intrigued uh, we'll, at what you're getting at here. Yeah, I'll, I'll let you know off air. Uh, but <laughs> you're doing the ad reads, right? Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> Grace will be joining us to talk a little bit. Clemson, she does an awesome job covering. If you're not following uh, her on Twitter, you should be. You'll be reading all her stuff this week and every week. It's outstanding. So until Tuesday, he's Matt Fortuna. I'm Pete Sampson. You've been listening to the latest episode of The Shamrock, and it's officially Clemson Week. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.